Amen. Okay, I've got three scriptures we're going to start with. Normally I start with one text, but I've got three shorter scriptures I want to start with. The Bible says in John 1, 32 through 34, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and remained upon him. He's talking about Jesus. I did not know him, Jesus, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testify that this is the Son of God. Luke 4, 17 and 9 through 19, after he was baptized with the Holy Spirit, Jesus said he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The anointing of God, the Spirit of God on your life is always to do something. It's the empowerment of God to do something, all right? He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And finally, in John 7, 37 through 39, Jesus said, on that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow, flow rivers of living water but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified today is a day on the on the Christian calendar where we celebrate Pentecost Sunday it's that day that looks back to the outpouring of the Spirit of God uh, on the day of Pentecost that's why we call it Pentecost Sunday on that day Pentecost was a feast in Israeli uh, uh, that was incorporated into the law that all Jews celebrated and on that day we had an outpouring of the Holy Spirit the Spirit of God as we read was on Jesus Jesus did what he did through the power of the Holy Spirit he was a son of God but he didn't function as the son of God on this planet he functioned as a man empowered by the Spirit of God and then he said and we'll look at that here in a minute he said the Spirit uh, uh, it's necessary that I go to be with my father because when he went the Spirit of God would descend and rest upon the people of God and on the day of Pentecost on that day Jesus whom had promised that the Holy Spirit would come upon the disciples if they remained in Jerusalem on that day in history that promise was realized he had said to them you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth now what actually happened on that day is described for us in, in Luke by Luke in Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 it says when the day of Pentecost had fully come they were all with one accord in one place it doesn't say in one accord so they weren't all in the Honda they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one set upon each one of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues if you don't like that word tongues it's, it's another language languages that they did not know as the Spirit gave them utterance it's the firm belief of our church uh, it used to be all the church 
but now at least some members of the church, our church, one of them, that the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God, when you are born again, the Spirit of God takes up residence in you. When that Spirit of God that's in you uh, upon your salvation, um, is, uh, uh, it comes in you, as Jesus said, you shall, uh, I'll, I'll read it here in a minute, uh, you, you cannot uh, see the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again. Not only do you have that indwelling uh, Spirit of God within you, it is our firm belief that there is a second work of grace called the baptism in the Holy Spirit where you are empowered by the Spirit of God like they were at Pentecost so that you can do the will of God not with, uh, let's just kind of use a uh, uh, current vernacular, not with, uh, AJ likes to walk around with Nerf bullets. He's got this Nerf gun, and every once in a while what he'll do is he'll sneak up on Jerry and shoot him with these Nerf bullets, you know? And and Jerry, Jerry actually work on Jerry. But anyway, um, uh, we, we don't need to be going around trying to deal with the enemy with Nerf bullets. We need to have the full armament of God. We need to have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and that comes when we receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, as they did on the day of Pentecost. And just kind of give you a few scriptures to help you understand the Spirit of God when you are born again comes and lives within you. John 3, 3 through 8, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless this one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless this one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, to me, what that's talking about is you've got to be born into the natural world. You've got to be a human being born into this world. That's what it means to be born of water. But just as you were born into this world, uh, you are born into the kingdom of God by receiving the Spirit of God into your life when you were born again. This is important because we have a lot of people coming out of different churches. Well, I'm a Baptist. I've been a Baptist all my life. I was born in the Baptist church. I was baptized, you know, uh, when I was younger. Or I was a Catholic, and I was baptized into the Catholic church and I went through confirmation and all that and all of that's great we don't have any problems with that but none of that uh, provides you entrance into the kingdom of God we're not saying you have to get out of those churches what we're saying is that in those churches if you have not been born again you're not entering into the kingdom of God you have entered into the church you have become a member of the church role, but you have not become a member of the kingdom of God. How do I enter into the kingdom of God? You've got to recognize that you are lost, that Jesus paid the price for you to be reconciled with God. Call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And when you do that, there is a supernatural experience that takes place where you now become a temple of the living God, and the Spirit of God comes and indwells you. You are born again. Doesn't matter what church you go to. Doesn't matter if you don't go to church. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Obviously, we would recommend that if you get saved, you become a part of a church. We're not asking that you leave any church that you're at. All we're trying to do is define for you what it means to get into the kingdom of God. You must be born again. Are we clear on that? All right? Now, after the disciples were born again, there's a second work of, of the Holy Spirit that Jesus said, as we read before, uh, do not leave Jerusalem. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Don't leave until you receive that promise. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the most parts of the earth. So that happened. 
when it happened, Peter got up and he preached, he preached out about what was taking place. And when he summed up his message in Acts 2, 38 through 39, he said to those that all of those that heard him preach, they were cut to the heart. And Jesus said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. In other words, get saved and then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is the gift of the Holy Spirit? What took place at Pentecost where the Spirit of God came upon them, they received the power of the Holy Spirit, and it was evidenced by them speaking in a language they did not know. For the promise, and you say, well, that was for them. Well, you could say that, except Peter said this. For the promise is to you, to the people that I'm talking to, Peter was preaching a sermon to the Jewish people at that time, and he said to them, it's for you and to your children. Now, Obviously, they may have had their children there, so I'll give you that one. But then he goes on, he says, and to all who are afar off, not just distance-wise, I believe also time-wise, history-wise, this promise is for everyone, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, how many of y'all, when you got saved, if you're saved, if you're not saved, don't leave here today without getting saved. But if you're saved, how many of y'all understood that you're saved because the Lord called you into himself? The Spirit of God began to speak to you, and you recognize you're separated from God. You need to get right with God, and when you got right with God, what was happening is you're responding to the call of God. Now, obviously, it may have been a preacher that was preaching to you, but the Spirit of God was working through those through that words that they were preaching, and the Spirit of God got a hold of your heart, and you recognize, I needed God in my life. To as many as the Lord our God would call, this promise of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is for you as well. Okay? Now, uh, I was reading a book by a guy named Rick Renner, Sparkling Gems from the Greek, Volume 2, and he, he said this in his book, and it was so good, I just, have, I just quoted it, and I'm going to read that to you here this morning. Jesus not only taught on the importance of the Spirit for the believer, but he also modeled it through his life and ministry. In fact, the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the Holy Spirit are inseparable. In our text, when Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit's future uh, 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 the Holy Spirit's ministry to the church in John 7 and 38 and 39. He says, out of, my, uh, uh, out of my belly will flow, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. He was describing the Holy Spirit's present ministry through him during his earth, earthly ministry. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Uh, but this spake Jesus of the Spirit the Greek word translated flow is a form of the word rio, which pictures a rushing stream so full that it actually overflows its banks. So what we're talking about here is um, we're talking about a act of God in your life where, yes, I've been there and done that. I, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I spoke in other tongues, or whatever the case may be, and that's all there was to it. No, what we're talking about is Jesus not only wants your inner being to be so full of the Spirit of God, he wants you to be empowered so much by the Spirit of God that your life, like Christ, which you will see here in a minute, becomes one that is uh, moving in the current of the Holy Spirit to bring God's power and God's goodness and His grace not only into your life, but into your family, into your household, into the world around us. Out of your belly shall overflow its banks rivers of living water. Are you understanding what I'm saying? 
This is how Jesus described his own relationship with the Holy Spirit as he walked this earth and how he foretold the nature of the relationship that those who believed on him would one day experience with the Holy Spirit after Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus depended on the continual flow of the Holy Spirit's power, wisdom, counsel, and ability through him and upon him during his earthly ministry. And as he is, so are we to be in the world. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus, is, some, some people never move past that, and that's unfortunate. But it's great that he's your Savior. We want you to get saved. If that's all you know, that's, that's a great place to start, and we're thankful for that. But Jesus is more than just our Savior. He is our Lord. Many of the promises of God in your life that God has promised Christianity uh, in Christianity to his church, to his body, will not become realized in your life until you submit to him as Lord. When you submit to his lordship, it positions you to receive all that he has for you. He's our savior. He's our Lord. But another thing you have to realize about Jesus is that Jesus just, just wasn't a one-off in the sense that he was, uh, uh, yes, he was, he was uh, the Son of God, manifest, made flesh, yes. But you need to realize that Jesus was more than that. He was the example of how to live the life he has called us to live. Savior, Lord, example. In other words, he said in John 17, he says, As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. To do what? To do the same thing he did. And how did he do ministry? Empowered by the Holy Spirit. How did he do what he did? Empowered by the Holy Spirit. He said, the works that I do, greater works than these shall you do. Why? Because I intend on you having the Holy Spirit living in you, and I intend on you being full of the Holy Spirit and coming upon you, so that every way that you do life, every way you live life, is to be empowered by the Spirit of God, not only in you, but flowing out of you, so that I can make an impact through my body, through my church, in this world. So let's consider these important facts about the workings of the Holy Spirit and the life of ministry and of Jesus on the earth. First of all, Jesus' public ministry was announced by John the Baptist, who, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, declared that Jesus was the one who would baptize with the Holy Spirit and power. In fact, the Bible says of John the Baptist, he is the voice of one crying in the wilderness. John the Baptist was the voice. It was the Spirit of God that was crying out. I don't know if you know this, but if preachers are preaching under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we're the voice of what God is wanting to say. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. Doesn't mean that we, we hear imperfectly. But in some ways, God downloads what he wants to say to his instruments, his body, proclaimers, preachers, witnesses. And as we say what he is saying, God has, uh, uh, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the ability to be able to reach those that are hearing. John the Baptist was the voice, uh, I mean, was the voice. Holy Spirit was the one that was announcing. And what he announced is that Jesus was the one who would baptize in the Holy Spirit and with fire. So not just baptize with water, but baptize with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit of the Jordan River when he was baptized by John the Baptist. John the Baptist says, I saw uh, what looked like a dove coming upon him and resting upon him, right? And we know that that was a type of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was given the fullness of the Spirit without measure. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. But he was also, when he came out of the wilderness, he came out of the wilderness, he, was, he went in full of the Holy Spirit. When he came out, he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus returned from the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. Jesus stated publicly that his ministry was a result of the power of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you is what he said to us. But remember what he began with. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, right? And he has anointed me. The Spirit of God is upon me to do what? To preach the gospel, to release the captives, set at liberty those who are oppressed, open blinded eyes. The Spirit of God on Jesus' life is what equipped him to do what he did. Jesus proclaimed that we must be born again by the Spirit of God. Jesus warned, uh, uh, Jesus taught about the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus offered himself upon the cross like a lamb without spot or blemish through the power of the Spirit. Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit into the disciples after his resurrection. Jesus, once exalted to the right hand of the Father, poured out the Holy Spirit upon the church on the day of Pentecost, which is the day that we celebrate today. Jesus and the Holy Spirit, Jesus our example, Jesus and the Holy Spirit were always together when he was on the earth. If Jesus needed this kind of ongoing partnership with the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish his divine role on the earth, don't you think we must have that same partnership with the Spirit of God to fulfill what God has asked us to do? So, as we know through Jesus' life, as we just saw, the Spirit's work in and through the believer was not written down simply to describe the history of Jesus' life and walk. A lot of people read the Bible and they say, that's awesome, that was great. Look at what God did through Jesus. Look at what God did through the apostles. They read it as a history book. They read it as a history lesson, not realizing that it's not only history, it is what happened, but it's also a prescription what God did through them is a testimony or a witness or a, a, um, an example of what God wants to do through us as well. God, what he did through Christ, we saw what he did through Christ on the earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. Then we see in the book of Acts what he did through his apostles, what he did through uh, disciples of Christ that were empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. And we say, that's awesome, that's wonderful. And then we want to do something crazy and we want to say, that's not for today. But the reality is, it is for today. It is for you. It is for me. Salvation is for today. But not only is salvation for today, what Peter said is this, is this promise is for you and all your children and all who are far off. This baptism in the Spirit of God, empowerment by the Spirit of God to live life overcoming, but also to do the works of Christ, to do what he's called us to do, is prescriptive. It is for you and I. Thank you. You're getting it. All right, now we got two people saying amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now we need, to, we need it to catch on. Spirit of God, begin to move through your people this morning. Hallelujah. You hear what I'm saying? It's prescriptive. It's for us as well. Now I want to give you a couple of examples from the Bible. We're going to look at the history of it. But then as you look at the history of what God did in the book of Acts, we need to realize that God didn't just share it with us just so that we could read about what happened in the book of Acts. God was showing us, this is what I want to do in you. Okay? 
So first thing we need to see is that, is that what God had said through Jesus to the disciples, he said, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive this promise. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Then what we see happening after that is as the disciples began to preach about Jesus, they would have opportunity when people got saved to then uh, uh, help them to become equipped to live out the Christian life. We see it, first of all, in the uh, Samaritan church, because the Bible says that Philip went down to Samaria, and when he went down to Samaria, Acts 8, 4 through 8, it says, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them, and the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing, seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed, and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. So what's happening in the city? Uh, it, revival is taking place. People are getting saved, and people are getting delivered. Right? They're being set free from their ailments, from their injuries, and they're being set free from the work of the devil that's been working in their life. Right? And I want you to know that that hasn't changed today. We need to be set free from our sins, but we also need to be set free from the enemy that torments us in life. Right? And there is power in God to do that. But that was taking place through Philip, who's an evangelist. He's going down there. He's preaching the gospel. And it's incredible what God is doing. The people all are excited. They're all happy because Jesus is being proclaimed. They're getting saved. They're getting set free. Awesome. Wonderful. Except when the apostles find out about it, they say, well, that's all good and dandy, but something's missing. Let me read that, Acts chapter 8, 14 through 17. When the apostles who were at Jerusalem, remember this was taking place in Samaria, now back at the city of Jerusalem, where uh, the gospel was first preached, where Jesus uh, died and was resurrected, where uh, a great, uh, 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 incredible amount of people had been saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Now when they were back at Jerusalem, uh, they heard that Samaria had received the word of God. And so what did they do? They sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So now you got to realize they're being saved, they're being set free, but something's missing. And the apostles understand something is missing. He said, this is great. This is wonderful. We're excited about the news that's taking place there, but the people aren't yet equipped. Because Jesus told us that we need to be born again, but he also said that this promise of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is for all who are far off. These people are being saved, but they need what we have. They need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So let's take James and let's take John and send Peter and John and send them down there. And when they got down there, they prayed that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And so what did that look like? I would imagine that it looked like what took place on the day of Pentecost. When they laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they began to speak in other tongues and they began to prophesy. But it wasn't about speaking in other tongues. So many people feel like it, make it feel like it's about speaking in other tongues. It's not about that at all. <coughs> How many of y'all, when you go down to the, um, to the driver's license office or you go pay your uh, uh, taxes, you know, you have to take a ticket, right? 
<clears throat> you get in line, you get a ticket. Now, you can sit there and you can be like, uh, you can be like in the Willy Wonka where he says, I got a golden ticket, I got a golden ticket, I got a golden ticket. Well, how many of you know that's great to have a golden ticket, but it's really not about the ticket. It's about what that ticket gives you the opportunity to experience. And see, the, 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 the tongues, they're a sign. They don't, it's not about tongues at all. It is not about that. It's, so many people get hung up on that. What is it about? It's about the power of God coming on your life. How do I know I have the power of God on my life? Because I have a ticket. Right? I have a ticket. I mean, I have evidence. I have a sign. I have something that tells me that I have received this power. And for us, what we need to understand is how do I know I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How do I know this power is on my life? Because God confirmed it by speaking in another language. All right? Now, we're not talking about if you speak two languages, we're not talking about, hey, I speak English and I speak Spanish, and when I got filled with the Spirit of God, I spoke Spanish. No, we're talking about an unknown language, a language you do not understand. And you might think to yourself, that doesn't make sense. That, that messes with my head. I think that's the whole purpose, to mess with your head. Right? It's not about what you think can happen. It's about what God says. Now, how many of y'all, if Jesus said, as he said to some of the people that were lame and, and they had withered hands, it, it doesn't make sense to say, hey, stretch out your hand to someone that can't stretch out his hand, and then you're going to be healed. It would make sense to say, be healed and then stretch out your hand. But Jesus didn't do that. He said, stretch out your hand. I can't stretch out my hand. What's it doing? Messing with their mind. But it's not about what you think you can do. It's not about what you can do. It's about obeying the Lord, and it's about receiving from God. And if God says do it, then when you do it, then you'll understand how you did it. I'm trying to understand how it's going to happen. No, just do it because the Spirit of God is going to come upon you, and He will help you to do what you can't figure out what, how you're going to do it. You will do it, and then when you do it, it'll make sense. Well, that doesn't make sense. We've got to learn how to transform the way we think. We've got to stop thinking like uh, regular people. We've got to start thinking supernaturally. We've got to think like the Word of God. And if the Word of God says, I can do it, then I need to do it and trust God that He will bring it to pass somehow in a way I may not understand. But it doesn't mean that it's not understandable. It just means when I do it, then I'll understand. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay, so they went down there, they prayed for them, they received the Holy Spirit, and then they were equipped. What I'm trying to tell you is that if we've been born again, that's great. But if you haven't been empowered by the Holy Spirit, you're functioning, but you're functioning ill-equipped. You don't have the full equipment. You don't have the full armament that God intended you to have. It's kind of like get, uh, signing up for the Army, but then all they issue you is a 9 millimeter. but they're going to send you to war against a, 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 an Army that has missiles, tanks, all these kind of things. How would you, would you not like to have everything that's available to you if you're going to go to war? Right? It's nice to have a 9 millimeter, but if I'm going to go to war with somebody that has a tank, I, I want to have something greater than that. I want to have the full equipping. I want to have the full armament of God behind me. And that's what God intended when you became baptized in the Holy Spirit. It releases into your life the empowerments of the Spirit of God, which we find in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, some will have words of wisdom, word of knowledge. Some will speak in tongues. Some will prophesy. Some will have gifts of healings, gifts of wonders, of uh, working of miracles. Uh, you know, those kind of things will release into your life. The full armament is now released to you when you receive the empowerment of the Spirit of God. 
But this didn't just happen with Samaria. It also happened uh, at a place uh, in Caesarea, I believe is where it was, with a guy named Cornelius. Cornelius was a Gentile, but he was a God-fearer. That means he wanted to become a part of, of God's people, but he wasn't willing to do the things necessary. Wasn't willing to be circumcised. Wasn't willing to do all these kind of things. But he had a love and a devotion to God. And the Bible says that there was a certain man in Acts 10, 1 through 5, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, and when he observed them, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. So then what happened was, while he was doing this with Cornelius, something was happening with Peter in Acts 10. Uh, 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 a little bit later on in the passage, Peter, Peter had a vision. God instructed Peter that it was okay to do what I'm asking you to do. We won't go into all of that. But Peter was convinced by God that he needed to go with these men that that. that Cornelius was about to send to him when those men got there Cornelius went with them even though that was totally against what Jews would normally do because they were Gentiles he went with them and entered into a Gentile home which was Cornelius's home when he got there Acts 10 44 through 47 while Peter was preaching to them the gospel while he was speaking these words the Bible says the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision which mean the Jews who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How did they know? Because the Bible says, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered and said, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who had received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Now let me clarify something here. Okay, so normally what we want to do is we want to preach the gospel to you and we want you to get saved right? Accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Call on the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and you shall be saved. We want that to happen. So we have a certain process here. Uh, the church has a certain process that we go through. First of all, you come, you hear the gospel, you get saved. Then when you get saved, you need to be baptized. But in the middle of this, we also want to tell you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we want you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, we understand receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit before you get baptized. We're okay with that, right? Not that it matters anything. What God, whether God is okay with it, has nothing to do with it. We're okay with that. But what we want to see is that sometimes God can do things any way He wants to. Somehow during the middle of this sermon, before they had a chance to give an altar call and get him saved, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Well, what happened? I don't know how it happened, but somehow in the midst of all that, God saved them and filled them with the Holy Spirit. And then when they were saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter said, well, we might as well baptize them. They got everything else. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So if you're here today, you might say, well, today I want to get saved so that next time I can get baptized with the Holy Spirit. No, you can receive everything today. Right? And then we'll baptize you somewhere down the road. But it's important that you understand that what I'm trying to get you to understand is that not only were they saved, but they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And how do we know they were baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because they spoke in other tongues 
and begin to magnify God. So that's not the only other time. I'm going to give you one other scenario. The Ephesian church were baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 18, verse 24 through 25, the Bible says there was a guy named Apollos who was born at Alexandria. He was an eloquent man, mighty in the Scriptures, and he came to Ephesus. And this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So what was, he, what was the baptism of John? You need to repent. You need to get right. So what was he doing? He was getting people saved. Okay? Now, he left, and there was a group of people there that were following God. And sometime after that, the Bible says in Acts 19, 1 through 6, Paul shows up. And it says it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. What disciples? The ones that... Apollos had preached to, right, and got them saved. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Isn't that amazing? He didn't say, hey, I'm glad you believed. That's wonderful. Awesome. Praise the Lord. We'll catch you next time around. No, he understood that that's great, but you need something more. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And, and uh, they said to him, we haven't even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism, a baptism of repentance. We got saved. And Paul said, uh, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And what happened when the Holy Spirit came upon them? They spoke with tongues and they prophesied. Do you see a pattern working here? What I want you to understand is that the, the, the understanding of the New Testament church is you needed to be saved, but you also needed to be empowered by the Spirit of God. You needed to have the Spirit of God in you, but you need to have the Spirit of God come upon you. And they were not considered to be fully preaching the gospel unless both these things were done. I remember what I said before. I don't believe this is just history. I believe it's a prescription. It's prescriptive of what should be taking place today. I believe that God's desire for us as a church, as the people of God, as the bride of Christ, is not only that we get born again. That is so important. Until you're born again, nothing else matters. But that doesn't stop. But that you also be fully clothed, fully empowered by the Spirit of God. And how does that take place when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life? And how do I know that I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life? You're going to get prayed for, and when you get prayed for, the sign or the evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is that you're going to speak in another language, and you're going to magnify and, and, and exalt the Lord. Right? Okay. Now, that being said, what about you and I? As I said before, this is a prescription. When we read the Bible, it should bring to bear the prophetic nature of the Word of God to awaken us to the promises available to us and inspire us by faith to call out to God to manifest His promise in us and well. As it says in Romans 10, uh, uh, um, uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So a lot of times, if we haven't received, it's because like the Ephesians, we hadn't even heard. We didn't know. We didn't know this is what's supposed to happen. And so Paul says, well, this is what's supposed to happen. And so when he taught them the Word of God about what the Word of God said and what God did, then all of a sudden they said, we want that. 
now they were in a position to receive by faith what God had already made available to them they were just unaware of. And so faith comes by hearing. And so today what we wanted you to be aware of and what we want you, what, what we want you to understand is that, yes, you need to be saved. You need to be born again. But the Bible also teaches the importance of the empowerment of the Spirit of God in your life. The empowerment of the Spirit of God, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, right? Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power. Acts 2, 38 through 39, and this promise is to you, your children, and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So if you've been saved, if you've received Christ in your life, if God has called you into the kingdom of God, you need this as well. Remember our text, John 7, 37 through 39, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, I do want you to understand, we did keep the kids in here today. Why did we keep the kids in here today? Because the kids also have the freedom to receive the Holy Spirit. What do they have to do? They just have to believe. As I said before, they don't get uh, uh, junior meals. You know, you take your kids to a restaurant and they have these little things called kids plates. What is a kids plate? It's usually something that's smaller than an adult's plate. Right? So you get a little junior portion. You get a mini portion. And you don't have to pay as much for that. But, you know, Jesus paid a price so that everyone could eat. When they passed out bread, when the disciples were feeding the multitudes, it, didn't say, it, it counted the men, but it didn't say the men got a portion and the kids received nothing. It basically said they all ate. They all got as much as they could eat. They all got a full portion. They all got what God made available. And I want you to know whether you're an adult or whether you're a child, everyone can receive today. There is no happy meal size Holy Spirit. You get the whole package. You can walk in signs, wonders, miracles, healings, experience the power of God in your life, whether you're an adult or whether you're a kid, but you must believe. You must pursue by faith what God has said. And I wanted you to hear what I was preaching today. So whether you're older or whether you're younger, if the Spirit of God is speaking to you today and faith is being birthed on your heart, you too can receive today. Amen? You can receive what God is wanting for you to have. Today we've seen how Jesus depended on the continual flow of the Holy Spirit's power, wisdom, counsel, and ability through him and upon him during his earthly ministry. What we want to recognize is that Jesus' life is a prime example of what our life is to be. As he is, so are we to be in this world. Just as we saw with Jesus in his life, just as we saw in Scripture through the apostles' ministry, so too has the Holy Spirit been sent by Jesus to give us everything we need to be a victorious, successful, faith-filled, overcoming children of God in this world. With him at our side, we are equipped for every situation we could ever face in life. Now that we've seen what the Word of God teaches us and promises us, how many today would by faith call out to God that His will would become evident in our life? How many today would say, I need the Holy Spirit in my life. I need the empowerment of God in my life. I need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to help me to live the Christian life and to do what God's called me to do. I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to people here today. In spite of me, I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to people today. God wants you to have. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily feel, feel it. It's not about feeling it. It's about faith. It's about believing it. 
It's about believing and appropriating what God promised in his word and saying, I qualify for that. I want that in my life. And you know what qualifies? They that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be Phil, I want that. I need that in my life. I'll tell you my own story. My own story is when I, I got saved after three months of going to church, I finally got saved, but I was too shy to get saved uh, in church, so I got saved in my room. I didn't even say the right prayer. I said, God, are you real? And God heard my heart, and he said, yes, I am. And God came into my life, and I got saved. Well, not long after that, I think it was uh, Anna or one of her relatives or one of her friends gave me a book called Hey, God. And in this book, Hey God, it talked about a little Italian woman who got saved, but then she got filled with the Spirit of God. And when she got filled with the Spirit of God, she began to see the power of God, the miracles of God, uh, as she began to trust the Lord for everything going on in her life. And when I read about that, I got hungry. Now, I went to church for three months, never got saved because there was too many people. But when I read that book, I think I read it in an afternoon, I said, I want that. And when I went to church on Sunday night, I said, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want it. I went to the same church where I didn't get saved for three months, but I was so hungry for God. I said, if, if, if they will pray for me, I'm going to receive the Holy Spirit today. And so I went in, and it was a Sunday night. Normally on Sunday nights, it's kind of like a Bible study like what we do on Wednesday nights. And they don't usually have... Uh, always an altar call for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. But anyway, the pastor was feeling the compulsion of the, of the Spirit of God to ask, is anybody here want to receive? Now, normally I would look around and see how many people were there, and I'd say, no, I don't want to get saved. But today, I didn't look around. I didn't care who raised their hand, if anybody raised their hand. All I know is I was so hungry, I wanted it. And so when he said, does anybody here want the Spirit of God and be baptized the Spirit of God in your life, I raised my hand. I want it. And then I looked around, and I realized I was the only one. But I didn't care. I wanted. Thankfully, somebody else raised their hand. I went up to the front, and it's hunger and thirst that qualifies you. And when I got up there, I said, God, I want what that lady had. I want what, they, what these other people had. He laid hands on me, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came on my life, and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how I did it. I just began to speak in another language I did not know. And from that moment, I was empowered by the Spirit of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Well, how's it going to happen? I'll tell you how it's going to happen. If you're hungry for this, because that's what it takes, is hunger. You want this in your life. God paid the price for it. You don't have to earn it. You just have to receive it. You have to believe, and in believing, you have to receive. How's it going to work? Just like when Paul did uh, uh, when he went to Ephesus. He said, have you received the Spirit of God since you believed? We never even heard there's the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says that Paul laid hands on them, and when he laid hands on them, the Spirit of God came upon them. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they began to speak in another language. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. How is it going to work today? Well, I, again, this is not just history. I believe it's prescriptive. If you're hungry today, I'm going to ask you, do you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit of God? Yes, I want to. Okay, then if you're hungry, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to either lay hands on you or I'm going to pray over you. Same thing. We're going to ask that the Holy Spirit would come. I'm going to do my part, which is what the Apostle Paul did, and I'm going to lay hands on you or pray for you. When, I ha when that happens, the Holy Spirit is going to do his part. He's going to come upon you. And when he comes, comes upon you, he's going to empower you. And then you're going to do your part. What is my part? Your part is going to magnify God, and you're going to speak in another language. You say, well, how do I do that? You're not going to understand. It's just going to happen. But when it happens, then you're going to understand. You hear what I'm saying? 
So the, the key thing right here is, are you hungry? Do you want what God has promised you in his word? And again, it doesn't matter if you're an adult. It doesn't matter if you're a kid. Do you want it? It is for you. Now, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Spirit of God. So we're not going to beg you. We're not going to urge you. We're not going to cajole you. We're not going to do any of that. I'm just going to say, have you received the Holy Spirit since you've believed? How, what do you mean? Have you been empowered by the Spirit of God? Have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Have you spoken another language? If you say no to that, but you want it today, today is for you. When was the last time you let the Spirit of God flow you through you? Because the Bible says, be filled with the Spirit of God. It says in the book of Ephesians. Now, he's talking to people that have been saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit. But he says, be filled with the Spirit of God. What does that mean? If you go back and read in the Greek, it says, be filled and keep on being filled. In other words, you've got to overflow. If you're not overflowing with the Spirit of God, then you need to allow the Spirit of God to do another work in you. Uh, and we're not saying you're going to receive another empowerment of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit will, will prime that pump in your life. And, and so all I'm going to ask you today, whether you, if you haven't received the Spirit of God or it's been a while since you've allowed the Spirit of God to flow into your life or you're kind of iffy about whether you have or not, then today's the day to, 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 to receive from God.